I'm not Pastor Steve. I am Counselor Steve, uh, filling in the role. So today's passage we're going to come from comes from Joshua 3. And this passage includes verse 5, which has been the theme verse for cadets and for the gems here this year of amazing. So if you join with me reading from chapter, Joshua chapter 3. Early one morning, Joshua and all of the people of Israel started out from Shittim. They went down to the Jordan River. They camped there before they went across it. After three days, the officers went all through the camp. They gave orders to the people. They said, watch for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. The priests who are Levites will be carrying it. When you see it, you must move out from where you are and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. You have never gone this way before, but don't go near the ark. Stay about a thousand yards away from it. Joshua spoke to the people. He said, set yourselves apart to the Lord. Tomorrow he'll do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, go and get the ark of the covenant. Walk on ahead of the people. So they went and got it. Then they walked on ahead of them. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to honor you in the eyes of all the people of Israel. Then they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Speak to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. Tell them, when you reach the edge of the Jordan River, go into the water and stand there. Joshua spoke to the people of Israel. He said, Come here. Listen to what the Lord your God is saying. You will soon know that the living God is among you. You can be sure that he'll drive out the people who are now living in the land. He'll do it to make room for you. He'll drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. The ark will go into the Jordan River ahead of you. It's the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth. Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel. Choose one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord. He's the Lord of the whole earth. As soon as the priests step into the Jordan, it will stop flowing. The water that's coming down the river will pile up in one place. That's how you will know that the living God is among you. So the people took their tents down. They prepared to go across the Jordan River. The priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. The water of the Jordan was going over its banks. It always does that at the time when the crops are being gathered. The priests came to the river. Their feet touched the water's edge. Right away, the water that was coming down the river stopped flowing. It piled up far away at a town called Adam near Zarethan. The water that was flowing down to the Dead Sea was completely cut off. So the people went across the Jordan River opposite Jericho. The priests carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the river. They stayed there until the whole nation of Israel had gone across on dry ground. So Joshua 3, verse 5, it's up there. The print might be a little small. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Gems and cadets, we are here together today for Gems and Cadet Sunday. This is a special day where the entire church recognizes the importance of all of you as part of the church family. Many of you have had an opportunity to serve with your actions 
helping us gather as God's people to praise our Lord, to pray, and to hear his word. Now it's time for the church to minister to you. This sermon is designed for you. I'm not going to make all the people in the back sitting behind you leave the room for the next few minutes. They are allowed to listen in. They may learn something as well. Our theme for both Cadets and Gems this year has been amazing. The Cadets have had their magazines, and both Gems and Cadets have had Bible lessons throughout the year based on this one word. We have seen what an amazing God we have. We have looked at our amazing bodies, how God created each of us with a body that can do amazing things. We have seen amazing places around the world and amazing buildings put together by people out of the creativity God has given us. There are still lessons to come on amazing sounds and amazing animals. And most importantly, we have seen God's gift to us at Christmas when he sent Jesus to the world out of his amazing love and grace. So let's look at the verse. It starts off saying, Joshua told the people. We have all probably heard some stories about Joshua before. We know he was pretty good at following the commands God gave him most of the time. So even though it does not say so in this passage, we can be fairly confident that Joshua wasn't just making this up. Joshua was telling this to the people because God told him to say it. And if God told Joshua to say it, then it must be important to listen to. The first word is a big one. Consecrate. The cadets say this word every week, but that doesn't mean they all know what it means. It's in the cadet code right between compassionate and trustworthy. The word indicates the need for us to be set apart and ready for a special purpose. We are set apart because somehow we are different. When other people look at how we act in certain situations, they should see that we are living for Jesus. In biblical times, in biblical times, the word consecrate was mainly related to the tabernacle and priests. People could be consecrated. In Exodus 13.2, Moses was told, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. This law was why Jesus was brought to the temple by his earthly parents, where they sacrificed two doves, and he was prophesied over by Simeon and Anna. Utensils, tools, and even bread could be consecrated. In Exodus 40, verse 9, Moses was told, Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it will be holy. All of the tools used in the tabernacle were made just like any other tools. They could only be used, but these tools were special. And once they were consecrated, they could only be used for the special purposes intended. Each of you gems and cadets, you may feel like you aren't special. But once you realize God has special plans for you, you become special too. So, gems and cadets, do you know what you're supposed to be ready for? For the Israelites, it was something happening tomorrow. For each of us, we don't know when it will be. But if God tells me I'm supposed to be ready for it, 
I think I should make sure I'm ready. And I think you should do the same. That's the consecrated part. But there's more to this verse. Every time you read something in the Bible, you should understand who it was intended for. In this verse, Joshua is talking to all of the Israelites. This was a very large group of people. According to the book of Numbers, there were a little more than 600,000 family men. This is about the same as the total number of people who live in the Metro Grand Rapids area. And that's just the men. If you count all the women and children as well, the total was likely more than two and a half million people. The whole group of people had just finished living in the wilderness for 40 years. They had been punished for not trusting that God would let them conquer the land when Moses sent spies to check it out. Except for Joshua and Caleb, anyone else old enough to be counted, which meant they were over 20 years old, 40 years ago, had died. The oldest people, the leaders, would have been 10 to 20 years old when wandering in the wilderness started. That would mean they were my age now. I would have been one of the oldest people there. For you, those of you much older than me, sorry, you would have died in the wilderness. Do you think I can remember what happened when I was 10 to 20 years old? For those of you old enough to remember, 40 years ago, Ronald Reagan was president. The first Apple computer, called the Apple Lisa, was released using the first graphic interface and the first com computer mouse. Music CDs and CD players were released in the US. The first space shuttle was launched. Windows 1.0 was released. And we were getting ready for the Summer Olympics to be held in Los Angeles the next year. The older Israelites had seen the 10 plagues. They escaped from Egypt during the Passover. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They saw Pharaoh and his army drowned. They watched as Moses brought the Ten Commandments down the mountain, which included lightning, smoke, and fire, scary enough that they never wanted to see it again. These people ate manna every day, enjoyed quail that just appeared after they complained, and they drank water flowing from rocks. They had been bitten by snakes and then saved when they looked at a bronze snake. They had fought a battle where they won whenever Moses' hands were held up and then lost whenever he lowered his hands. Now they were being told they would see something amazing. What could top what they had already seen? If it was me, I don't know if I would have been really excited about what was going to happen tomorrow or really scared. The Israelites had spent 40 years in the wilderness because they didn't believe that God would do what he said he would do. Do you think they had learned their lesson about God and his amazing acts? Do you think they could have guessed what was going to happen next? Over the next little while, they were going to watch a river stop flowing, a city collapse because they walked around it and made some noise, the sun stands still, and more. If there had been a contest to predict what Joshua was talking about when he said amazing things, I'm guessing nobody got it right. God used the word amazing to Joshua, and he related on to the Israelites. 
Computers make it easy, so I check how often the word amazing is found in the entire Bible. Now, I use the current NIV, so if you go home and try this and with a different version, the numbers might be a little different. But in the NIV, the word amazing is only used three times. The first time is right here. The second time is when the angel of the Lord did something amazing to prove he was a messenger from God when he was talking with Samson's parents. And the last place is in the book of Proverbs where the author says there are four things too amazing for him to understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the sea, and the way of a young man in love. This fall, in one of the earlier Bible lessons for Cadets and Gems, we were asked to describe something amazing. I know for the cadets, nobody needed to think really hard or long to give an answer of something amazing around them. But once, what once was amazing is now everyday or ordinary. Consider the following article, and it comes from a newspaper 70 years ago. So there are some people here in the church that this is still in their lifetime. So Mr. Sullivan, he was president and director of the Pacific Telephone and Telegraph Company. Now, most of you might not remember telegraphs, but they did used to exist. And he said, just what form the future telephone will take is, of course, pure speculation. Here's my prophecy. In its final development, the telephone will be carried about by the individual, perhaps as we carry a watch today. It probably will require no dial or equivalent, and I think the users will be able to see each other if they want as they talk. Who knows but what it may actually translate from one language to another. At the time, that was stuff of science fiction. Not anymore. I don't think having a cell phone you can FaceTime with is all that amazing for today's Gems and Cadets. Gems and Cadets, here's an amazing fact. If you took one of your cells, that's pretty small. We talked about being small earlier on, but one cell. And you took the DNA in that one cell and stretched it all the way out. It would be about six and a half feet long. All of that rolled up into one cell. And if you put all the DNA in all of your cells together, it would stretch back and forth across the entire solar system. And God puts all that together in each one of yourselves. That is amazing. So, we need to be ready and set apart. We need to know that God is going to do amazing things. And if we look at the last part of the verse, he says he would do amazing things among us. The verse does not say God will do amazing things for us. It's not like we can just give our order for something amazing and God will do it. God does the amazing things right in the middle of his people. And the neat thing is, God uses us to do his amazing things. The Israelites didn't just stand there and watch the Jordan River stop flowing. 
they had to carry the ark into the river. This was the time of year when the river was flooded. It was deep and flowing fast. Parents would have been telling their children to stay away from the edge. It wasn't until the feet of the priests carrying the ark actually went into the water that the river stopped. The Israelites had to walk around the city of Jericho every day for a week, and then seven times on the seventh day. I don't know about you, but after two or three days of this, I would have decided this was dumb, and nothing was happening, and why did we have to do this? But God used their obedience to have the walls fall down. If walking around and making noise made things fall down, I'm guessing most of you cadets and gems would have caused your house to collapse by now. It was an amazing thing for David to kill Goliath. But David didn't just stand there and trust God to slay the giant. David had to use his sling and the skills he learned in his youth. God took his willingness and his talent as his preparation his consecrating himself to the work of God to kill Goliath. If we look around us, we see people design amazing buildings and create amazing music. Doctors have been given amazing minds to know how to make us better. Many of these people recognize that all of this is possible because of the gifts God has given them. They realize all of their efforts are their way of consecrating themselves setting themselves and their work apart to be used by God. Ephesians 2 verse 10 tells us that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Greek word that we've translated as handiwork in the NIV is poema. It's the word we get poem from. God says, you're my poem, you're my masterpiece, I don't want you copying somebody else. I've put gifts in you, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences, and I want you to use them. You have worth because of what God says about you and has done for you. You are needed. You are needed in your church. You are needed in your community. You are needed in this world. If you weren't needed, God would not have made you. He didn't create you to just sit and soak and pout and complain. He brought you here to make a contribution with your life. And everybody is needed. Do you have any idea how many good works God has prepared for you? They are waiting for you to enter into as you walk in faith and trust and dependence upon Christ. God is excited about doing some amazing things and having you as part of it. While God uses us, he doesn't need us. We cannot think that we are so important that God's amazing acts can only be done with us involved. In the book of Esther, we read of how Queen Esther wasn't sure she wanted to be part of God's amazing plan to save the Jews. Being involved was dangerous, and it was not going to be easy. Her cousin Mordecai told her, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. 
And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. God's desire is for you to be an eager and willing participant in his amazing plans. Now, we can't spend time talking about God and the word amazing without mentioning the most amazing thing about him, and that is his grace, his willingness to give us something that we in no means deserve. Amazing grace. How sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you haven't heard that verse before and now you're hearing it for the first time, your reaction is probably, wow, that's amazing. And if that's a verse that you've lived with your entire life, stop and think about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And you have to respond with, wow, that's amazing. What God says, he will do. He says he will be with you, and he is. He says he loves you, and he does. He says he sent his son to die in your place, and he did. He looks at you and says, amazing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you have said that you would be with your people, that if we are ready for you, if we have consecrated ourselves to be ready to serve you, that you will do amazing things among us. Lord, we ask to give, that you give us hearts that are willing and ready to serve, to be used for whatever amazing tasks that you have in store for us. Lord, we don't know what they are, but you do. Lord, as we go from this place, we ask that you allow us to, to show that amazing love that you have given to those around us. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.